Did you lie today? Are you lying right now? Have you ever been lied to? Have you ever tried to be deceptive? Or have you ever tried to deceive someone? Mandy and I had a friend named Brad that uh, borrowed our video camera one time and made a, a fun little video for us. And, uh, and in one of his uh, f- phrases that he would all, he kept saying over and over again was, see how well I duped you, see how well I duped you. Have you ever been a part of duping someone, trying to uh, say one thing but actually meaning something different? I mean, I'm a fisherman, and I love to fish. And the largest fish I caught used to be 13 pounds, but now is a lot larger than that, as I share the story. Because we are people who like to extend the truth a little bit. We like to share more to the story because of what the reaction might be that we receive. We love telling stories. We love uh, making people laugh. We love to entertain. Uh, We love to be on the right side of a relationship. And so so sometimes we use our words to, uh, to help with those relationships. Sometimes we say more than is actually true. Another question for you. Um, how, how difficult is it for you to say, to say no? When someone asks you a question, hey, would you do this or would you be willing to do this or can you be a part of this? How difficult is it for you to, to say no? We live in a culture that it's more acceptable just to say yes. Though we may vote no with our actions, we will say yes with our words. We live in this culture where nobody keeps their word anymore. Yeah, I'll agree to that. I'll do this and I will do that. And yet when accountability comes in, we haven't done the things that we've said that we're going to do. I mean, here we are seven days into a new year and some of us made resolutions or commitments or have goals and some of us have already broken those commitments or resolutions or goals. Some of us swore by this year I'm going to be different. This week I'm going to be different. This day I'm going to be different. I remember praying one time to the Lord on a Sunday morning, Lord, please do something different this morning. And it was almost as if the Lord spoke directly to me saying, why don't you do something different this morning? I'm the same always and I'm perfect You're the one that's broken. Why don't you do something different? I mean, it's a difficult thing when we start start preaching on or or speaking about or talking or having conversation about letting our yes be yes and our no be no or being people of our word or people of the word or honest, truthful people. Uh, I look around the room and I... I want to assume the best. I want to assume that most of you are not like me. Most of you set, uh, set your mind to something. You're disciplined. You say, you, you swear by it. I'm going to do these things. And then you fulfill that oath that you, you took. Most of you go fishing and catch a fish and say it's eight pounds because you weighed it out and it was eight pounds. And you never tell anybody another story. You never say, well, it was eight and a half pounds. Well, actually, it was nine pounds because we were using Canadian scales and those are always messed up. So it had to be ten pounds. It had to be ten pounds. I mean, we are people who have been taught to get a reaction. We've been taught how to stay on the right side of a relationship. And if that means I'm going to tell a story, I'm going to tell a story. One of my favorite movies is Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? 
And there's a scene where these guys are coming out of a radio station where they just had recorded their hit song. And uh, one of the characters says, I don't want to tell stories outside of school, but those guys in there will pay you to sing into their, sing into their can. It didn't, seem, it didn't seem right. It didn't seem like a true statement. We as people who belong to God, if you do, need to be known as people who speak truth, who abide in the truth. We, we spoke last week and preached last week about reading God's word and living by every word that comes from his mouth, understanding that it is the truth. And so because of that, we live by the truth and we speak what is truth, no matter what the reaction is that we get. You know people... You know people who, who seem to be harsh, who always just speak the truth. Uh, the friend that I, my, my best friend that I grew up with was known for just speaking the truth. He's a pastor now. He's a great pastor, and he just speaks the truth. Whatever he thinks is the truth, he's going to share it with you. If you're a liar, he calls you a liar. If you're a gossip, he calls you a gossip. If you're uh, being untruthful, he's going to call you out and say, you are being untruthful. He's good at just speaking the truth. Call him out, and he's, he's, uh, he's open to the accountability also. I mean, you know people who are that way. And we feel like, oh, it's so harsh when somebody speaks the truth into, into my life. We have to be people known as people who are not just people who abide in God's word and remain in God's word, but are people who are of the word. Who when we speak, people can trust what we're saying. When we say truth, they can trust that the words that are coming out of our mouth are the truth. I don't know how many times my parents reminded me, hey, you need to take your Bible, the one we gave you, take it to church with you. Well, how come? Just in case, just in case the preacher's not preaching the truth. Well, shouldn't he of all people be the one who's speaking the truth? Yeah, but we want to hold him accountable. We want to hold him accountable. I can tell you a story of a pastor. Church was uh, coming upon a big vote to vote on a, a new worship center. It was going to cost the church millions of dollars. And there had to be a quorum there uh, for the vote. And as the staff began to count uh, how many people were there, the pastor made the comment, uh, it's close enough. When the vote happened, oh, it's close enough. The vote's close enough. Let's let it. Let's let it happen. Let's let it happen. And of all people, we should be people of the truth, people who abide in God's word because it is the truth, and people who speak God's word because it is the truth. We have to be people who are known as being set apart for God, by God, to be holy people. And the things that are coming out of our mouth are holy things set apart by God. Truthful statements. You don't have, a, you don't have control of a lot of things in your life, but, but you can control the things that come out of your mouth. God's Holy Spirit can work through you and you can begin to control the tongue that has been placed in your mouth. And the words that come out of that can represent the Savior who is living inside of you, who has cleansed you of all unrighteousness. And the words that come out of your mouth can be truthful words. We are set apart by God to be the people of God, to live for the mission of God, to fulfill the glory of God, because He is worthy of all that. And so because of that, we have to be truthful people. People who, when we make an oath, or when we are asked to do something, we let our yes be yes, and our no be no. I think it's interesting that when we talk about the fruits of the Spirit, truthfulness is not one of them. Here's the fruits of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against things there are there is no law. Truthfulness is not one of them. Why? 
Why, why is that? Because it is assumed that people who are born again do not speak as their old ways, but instead speak in newness of life. People who are born of the truth, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. People who are reborn into Christ, it is assumed that your life is about the way, the truth, and the life. And so because of that, it is assumed that truthfulness is a part of who you are. It's in your new DNA. It's in your new life. The blood that covers your old blood, the blood that, that washes away the sin, this truthfulness that's now in your new DNA, truthfulness comes out of your mouth. Of all people in the world, people who are set apart by God through Jesus Christ should be people of the truth. I don't know if you read uh, newspapers or um, online articles, uh, but there is a newspaper... <laughs> out of a big city in the east called New York City. And the newspaper is called the New York Times. And this came out just today in the New York Times. Title is, Is Your Child Lying to You? If so, that's good. That's interesting. Let's read more. Should parents be troubled when their kids start to deceive them? What's your reaction? Just nod your head yes or no. I'm seeing a lot of yeses. Okay, should parents be troubled when their kids start to deceive them? This whole article is about those things. Uh, the research shows this, that kids discover lying as early as age two. As early as age two, kids start lying. Some of you are shaking your head in agreement. In one experiment, children were asked not to peek at a toy hidden behind them while the researcher withdrew from the room under false pretenses. So the researcher himself was lying for the purpose of this study. Minutes later, the researcher returned and asked the child if he or she peeked at what was behind or what was hidden. In this experiment, designed by the developmental psychologist, blah, 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 uh, and performed, this is what happened, the the uh, the first of the findings is this, that a vast majority of children will peek at the toy within seconds of being left alone. Now that's not, I mean, you don't have to have some kind of great degree or higher education to understand. I mean, you, you know people well enough to know this. The other is, the other significant finding is this, that a significant number of them lied about it. But well, we know more. We know about sin, and, and we know about brokenness, and we know about what's going on and the battle that's going on inside of us. But research is is finding this out now. Educated people are finding this out for us. At least a third of two-year-olds, half of three-year-olds, and 80% of more children, of children older than four, uh, will deny their transgression regardless of their gender, race, or family's religion. Uh, lying seems to be at the core of an unbeliever. Lying seems to be at the core of an unrighteous, unforgiven person. It seems to be that lying just comes naturally to someone who's been born again. Here's a question. So why do some children start lying at an earlier age than others? What separates them from their more honest peers? Here's what this researcher says. The short answer is that they are smarter. The better and earlier you are at lying the smarter you are, is what research says to us. Listen to this. Professor Lewis has found that toddlers who lie about peeking at the toy have higher verbal IQs than those who don't by as much as 10 points. Well, this makes sense, right? You lied by your words. You spoke untruth with your words. 
Children who don't peek at the toy, this is interesting, children who don't peek at the toy in the first place are actually the smartest of all, but they are a rarity. So this research is showing that children who are not deceptive, children who are, who are honest, children who are not about lies, are actually a rarity. It's not found often in our world. Interesting. Could we relay this to adults too? How many adults do we, do we know that are actually people who speak truth? Or how many times do we have to say, well, I wouldn't trust what this guy's saying because you know him. You know him. I've heard that about many Thackersons. Don't trust Thackerson over there because... Study goes on to say this. Uh, this psychologist has been researching deception in children for more than two decades. For, so for 20 years, uh, for more than 20 years, he's been researching deception in children. He likes to tell parents that if they discover their child is lying at age two or three, they should celebrate. But if your child is lagging behind, don't worry. You can speed up the process. Training children in executive functioning and theory of mind using a variety of interactive games and role-playing exercises can turn truth-tellers into liars within weeks. Professor Lee has found, and teaching kids to lie improves their scores on tests of executive functioning and theory of mind. Lying, in other words, is good for your brain. Well, most of us here, we're in a church setting. We're in a Christian culture here. We're in a, in a place where the word is what we're trying to base our lives upon. And we're appalled by things like this. Really? He says, he goes on to say, the researcher goes on to say, uh, for parents, the finding uh, presents something of a paradox. We want our children to be clever enough to lie, but morally disinclined to do so. So we want them to be able to lie when the need is present, but we would like for them to have morals uh, on top of it. So we want you to lie in a moral way. You've been presented this problem a lot. Uh, honey, does this, does this dress make me look beautiful? Absolutely. Does it make me look fat? I have no idea what you just said. I didn't understand any of the words that came out of your mouth. They go on to talk about how um, if you want to train your children how to lie and how to be honest... It's better to give uh, carrots and spankings. It's better to uh, to tempt them. And he goes on to say, and ends the whole article with, it's better to pay them not to lie. Reward them with money, and uh, they'll figure it out at some point that being moral is better. I mean, this is our culture that we're living in. It's nothing new. It's been around for a, a long time. Uh, think about the uh, the scene from the Garden of Eden after sin and brokenness enter the world. What are you doing? Well, I'm hiding. What are you hiding from? My guilt. How are you hiding from it? Well, I'm going to pretend to be something else. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lie about what happened. Well, the, the woman made me do it. You know, I mean, all those types of things. We get into this culture where sin uh, reigns inside of us. It is in our DNA. And so because of that, we function, uh, we function in an unrighteous, unholy way. And we begin to be people not of the truth, but people of deception. And Christ calls us, as we get to Matthew chapter 5 here, Christ calls us to be different. Like the Israelites given the Ten Commandments, they're wandering through the desert. How are we going to live? We've been living this way. We want to live a, a different way. Set us apart. Make us holy. Make us different from the rest of the world. What does that look like? And then Christ comes along and gives us the Sermon on the Mount. I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to be a disciple of Jesus. What does that look like? What does it look like to be set apart? What does it look like to be different? And he gets to this part about oaths. 
about what we should swear by or not swear by, or how we should answer, how we should live our life. And basically sums it up and he says, you should be people of the truth, who speak truth because of your righteousness, because of what Christ has done for you. Turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 33. Christ sets us apart, and he sets us apart by us keeping our word. Most importantly, we, we keep our word to God, and then following in that, in all our relationship, we, we keep the truth at the forefront of everything that we're a part of. Every place of influence that we are in, we keep the truth at the forefront. Matthew 5, verse 33 says this, Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. So Christ in his infinite wisdom and his all-knowing knows about broken people. He knows that many people have sworn before, have made oaths to God, have made promises, have made vows to God, saying, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do this. And he says, I would be careful with that. Careful not to be deceptive people. Careful not to be people who are belonging to evil. Careful not to be people who are full of lies. John chapter 8 talks a lot about this where Christ says uh, uh, that Satan is the father of lies. His native language is lying. There's no truth in him at all. We don't want to be people known as that. We want to be people known as people of truth. We'll read verse 33 again. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. Keep your place there. Mark it somehow, maybe with your bulletin or your finger, your neighbor's finger, and turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, we read this a few weeks ago to you. I'm going to read it again. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 1. It says this, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know what they are doing. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth, therefore let your words be few. Thackersons are not known for this. They're not known for being people of few words. They're known for being people of many words. And oftentimes those many words amount to nothing. Add them all up together and you're like, wait, you guys have been talking for a long time, but I don't think anything that came out of your mouth is even true. And so you have to be born again. Your DNA has to change. A transformation has to happen inside of you. Someone else has to take over and control you. Something, something else has to, uh, you have to begin to live for something else instead of yourself. And the author of Ecclesiastes is warning us to be careful when we go to the house of God. 
To be careful when we let words come out of our mouth. Be not, verse 2 says, Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven, and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. It is a reminder of our place in this world. It is a reminder of who we actually are. There are a few people in my life that I would uh, gladly uh, lie to or happily lie to. Um, few people, what I mean by that is there were a few people that I was willing to actually lie to, mostly because the people that are in my life that, that I like to have as influencers of my life are truthful people, discerning people, and they know when I'm not speaking the truth. They know when I'm not telling a correct story, when I'm adding inches to the fish that I caught or inches to the antlers on the on the deer that I shot, or whatever the case may be. They hear those things. You go to youth ministry or, or pastor's conferences, and it is a shame that in the competitive culture that we live in, we have to brag about how many people are in our congregation and how many people lie about that. Well, ministerially speaking, we've got like 6,000 people. You don't even have 6,000 people in southeastern New Mexico Town. Well, I understand that, but listen, we, we have a bus ministry, and it goes out to surrounding areas. We go to Texas. We go up to Colorado if we have to. We go down to Arizona. We'll cross the border. We're, we're grabbing these people. It just doesn't make sense. And I got real frustrated at it years ago, and, and uh, they get together and start bragging, hey, we've got this many people, and we've got this many people. And how many people do you have, Matt? I know of one. Her name is Mandy. Uh, the rest of them we're going to have to list out because I don't count them. Because if, because if I count them, then we become competitive. And I, and I feel the need to lie about so that I can fit into this group. That's not people of the Word. That's not people of, who've been changed or transformed into the likeness of Jesus. We need to be, be people who are truthful, who are honest, who represent who Christ really is. And that when people begin to seek truth, they go to the people who they know speak truth. And hopefully that's the people who belong to God. I think some of you are those people. Continuing on, verse 3 of chapter 5 of Ecclesiastes 4. A dream comes with much business and a fool's voice with many words. Is that not convicting? A fool's voice with many words. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. I had a student years ago who was really offended if you ever called him lazy. I think I've told you this story before, but he was really offended when you called him lazy, particularly because his dad was lazy and he didn't want to be like his dad. I get really offended when people call me a fool, particularly because I know some fools and I don't want to be like them. But when Scripture points it out and he says, when you vow a vow to God and do not delay paying it, you're like a fool. For he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. Understanding who God is, where He is. Understanding who you are and where you are. Understanding the authority of Christ as leader, as head shepherd, as, as the head of the church, as the owner of you. Understand who He is. Letting words come out of your mouth that represent who He is. Verse 5, it is better that you should not vow that you, than that you should vow and not pay. So it's better that you should keep your mouth shut. One thing that the Thackersons taught a lot, and maybe you, maybe you have this in your family too, 
My grandpa and my dad and my uncles used to tell uh, myself and my cousins a lot, little boys are to be seen and not heard. How come, Papa? How come, Dad? How come, UJ? How come? Why, why is that? How come we're to be seen and not heard? Because, boy, you don't know anything. And when you begin learning something, then maybe we'll let you speak. Still, I go back and hang out with family like, hey, you're still a little boy. Yeah, but I got gray in my beard. It doesn't matter. You still don't know anything. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin, and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Oh, in our in our uh, students' culture, the, the the phrase is just kidding. Oh, I was just kidding. Can, can you imagine saying that at the throne room of with God standing or sitting there on His throne? Hey, you said all these things. Well, yeah, but understand. I mean, you know my heart. I mean, I was just kidding. It was, it was really just to make a laugh or it was just to be funny. It was, it was really to build that relationship stronger and better. It was just sarcasm. I was just kidding. And God says, well, I want you to be people of the truth. And I'm under conviction every time I read the Scripture. I'm under conviction because I know that Christ is worthy, more worthy of me, having every bit of me, all of me, not just the places I walk, but also the things that I say. He's called us to be people of the truth who abide in the truth and who speak the truth. Back to Matthew chapter 5. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God. Don't, don't swear by heaven don't, don't be dramatic and say, I'm going to swear on what I'm saying by heaven because heaven doesn't belong to you. You're not seated at the throne of righteousness in heaven. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all either by heaven for it is the throne of God or by earth for it is his footstool. Don't swear by things of this earth because it does not belong to you. It belongs to the one who created it. Or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Are you the king of that city? Am I the king of that city? No, we don't swear by those things. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Well, wait a minute. How many of you know people who have white hair that have changed it to black? But it's lies. It's deception. Don't believe those hair dyes. It's not the truth. See, all those things we have no control over. We have no control over heaven. It doesn't belong to us. We have no control over earth. It doesn't belong to us. We have no control over Jerusalem. We're not the king of Jerusalem. We have no control over our head because it doesn't belong to us. We can't change the DNA of our, of our hair to make it the color we want it to be. It doesn't belong to us. What do we have control over? The words that come out of our mouth. We have control over those. So we're asking God, God, let me be a, a fruit bearer. Let me have self-control. Will your Holy Spirit work for me so that I have self-control, particularly with the words that are coming out of my mouth? Turn to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23, um, Christ lists these, um, or shares these seven woes that he has to the scribes and to the Pharisees. <laughs> these woes, these things that he has against them. And in verse 16, he says this, Woe to you, blind guides. You ever been led by someone who's blind? Someone who's trying to lead you to a place that they can't even see? 
Woe to you blind guides who say, if anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. Hey, I'm going to swear to the temple. Uh, Just kidding, but I am going to swear by the gold. We're we're trying to manipulate God's truth. The Pharisees and the scribes are trying to manipulate uh, so that they could get out of certain things. See, God's not a God who's desiring you for, for you to get out of relationship with him. He didn't die so that you could minimize Christ's death. He didn't uh, offer this sacrifice for sin so that you could minimize that sacrifice. But instead he said, I'm going to completely die, completely remove sin, completely give new life so that they can walk in newness of life, so they can have new DNA, so they can be reborn into the likeness of Jesus and walk in the newness of life. And have heaven on earth because of this transformation that's happening in them. We try and justify. We try and sneak around. We try and be deceptive and change the way things are. Well, I'm just playing. I'm just kidding. I I didn't really mean that. I'm just offering sarcasm. Christ is saying every bit of your life for me, including the words that come out of your mouth. Verse 17, you blind fools, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that that has made the gold sacred? And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by his oath. See, it's the scribes and the Pharisees trying to manipulate the situation to make it fit the way they want to live. Trying to control their own salvation, control their own righteousness. And righteousness does not belong to us, so therefore we cannot control it. The one who is righteous the one who lived his entire life on this earth without lying, without being deceptive, gives us the greatest example and then, and then shows us how to live for him. Verse 19, you blind men, for which is greater the gift, of the, uh, the gift on the altar that makes the gift sacred. So whoever swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. Whoever swears by the temple swears by it, and by him who dwells in it. And whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God, and by him who sits upon it. See, Christ is always looking to dig deeper. He doesn't want surface-level, nominal believers. He wants a deep, intimate relationship with the people who are following him. He wants their lives to walk in a manner worthy of the calling he's placed upon their life. As Paul reminds us, he wants our bodies to be the temple of the living God. As Paul reminds us again, he wants us to be ministers of reconciliation as if God is making his plea or imploring the world through us. He wants us to be reminded that Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one gets to the Father except through him. And if that's the case, and we are people who belong to him, the only way to fulfill the mission of God and to bring glory to God is to speak truth about God, to abide in his word, to remain in him, and to let truth reign in us so much that truth flows out of us. You know the saying, garbage in, garbage out. My granddad used to say uh, often when it came to dieting, he said he loved people who talked about counting calories. I'm not going to eat this because it has too many calories or I've reached my max today on calories. He's like, you know what? Calories are a funny thing. They never lie. Because you can talk to us all day long about how you've been watching your calories, but we can see you. We know where the calories are. They never lie. 
Calories always show the truth. Man, ought to be to be known as people who belong to Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. To be people who say we we live by God's word and we speak God's word. We abide in God's word and we allow God's word to r- rule rule over us and and flow out of us, so that people who are seeking truth and people who are not seeking truth would hear truth from those who belong to the truth. We have to be careful when we approach God. We have to be careful when we let words come out of our mouth. Be mindful of what we're saying because we're mindful of who who our Christ and our Savior is. God's called us to a great thing, a great opportunity, if you want to call it that. He's entrusted us with the gospel. He's entrusted us as people who can belong to him. He's entrusted us as heirs of his kingdom. He's given us salvation. He's adopted us into his family. Not to be like people who weren't adopted into his family or who are not adopted into his family. He's given us new life. Not to be people who are of the old life, but instead people who belong to the new life and who abide in Christ and speak truth in everything that we do. Christ is worthy of every bit of your life. We say that a lot. And he is more than worthy of every word that comes from your mouth. So like my mama and your mama probably said, if you ain't got nothing good to say, don't say it at all. And the only thing good we have is Jesus. And our life should be about him, speaking truth, abiding in him, remaining in him, so that truth flows out of our mouth. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for a group of people, number one, who are willing to listen. Got a group of people who are willing to gather, to sing songs to you, to pray to you, to ask things of you. God, help us to see this morning how worthy you are of our entire lives. God, help us not to be people known as people of sarcasm, people of lies, people of of the phrase, just kidding, just to get a laugh, to build a relationship. Instead, help us to be known as people of the truth, people who abide in Christ, people who recognize Christ as it, and as new life reigns in us, God, help us to be convicted of our sin and the old ways. Help us to recognize our new DNA. God, help us to be willing to let you reign inside of us so that our words represent you. God, we know, we know, we've read, we've studied it. We're here together this morning. We know that you're worthy of our time. God, for many of us, we've even come to the conclusion that you're worthy of our money because we think it belongs to us. And we, we know that you're worthy of our prayers. We know that you're worthy of, of our family. We, we know that you're worthy of pleading with you when we travel for safety. But God, help us to realize how worthy of our every moment of our life. And help us to be people who speak things that are truth. Supposed to be people who 
are willing to let our yes be yes and our no be no, not just with our words, but with our actions too, or not just with our actions, but our words too. God, we want Christ to reign in us so that your kingdom may be extended, so that others may be saved from your wrath, be saved from hell for all eternity. God, help us to see the seriousness of our sin so that we can seek satisfaction in our Savior. I thank you for being the way, the truth, and the life. I thank you for giving us a way, giving us the truth, giving us life through your Son, Jesus. Help us this week to worship you with our words. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.